It would be hard to refute that this is the craziest real estate market ever. Prices have soared. Uh, competition for homes is off the charts. People list a home at, at one price and it often goes for well above asking price. Again, the competition is fierce. You need an experienced real estate agent to help you navigate that if you are either selling your home and taking advantage of the market or trying to buy a home. You need the best, and the best is Ann Dresser Coker. I know from personal experience because I've used Ann on a couple of occasions. I know because Ann has been number one in the Denver metro market for years. She's a results-oriented broker, has a clear understanding of home buyers and sellers at every price point. You need to reach out to Ann today if you are selling or buying. It's that simple because she can navigate the craziness. Her number is 303-229-6464. Again, it's 303-229-6464. Or you can visit her website at Ann. That's A-N-N-E Dresser, D-R-E-S-S-E-R dot com, com, And she has been with Lib Sotheby's International Realty for a number of years. She's the best. It's that simple. Give her a call, 303-229-6464. Steel products are also the best. I know because I have a garage full of them. And uh, I was just down visiting with them at the Home and Garden Show, and they have so many new products that uh, you can get your hands on simply by going to your local steel dealer, of which there are more than 10,000 around the country, and you can find out exactly where by going to steel. That's S-T-I-H-L dealers.com. Check out their website. Uh, You will get uh, assistance if it's uh, blowers, trimmers, chainsaws and the the trend in the industry and especially with steel who's a leader in the industry is to go to battery powered and i think in the past people thought well battery powered man how powerful is it going to be how long is the charge going to last am i going to go out in my backyard and then five minutes later i'm going to run out of steam the answer to uh, both of those questions are uh, you're going to be amazed the batteries last forever and in terms of power I watched a demonstration with a 20-inch chainsaw that was battery-operated the other day. Remarkable. I mean, you can take it on a redwood tree. Crazy. So go to the website, steelusa.com or steeldealers.com. Again, it's S-T-I-H-L. And uh, load up on the products as spring is around the corner. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Drew has an update and some thoughts on the negotiations between Major League Baseball and its players. Also, controversy at the Olympics. And part two of Drew's conversation with Tony Alford, Ohio State's running backs coach, run game coordinator, and assistant head coach, who has thoughts about name, image, and likeness in college athletics. You better not go to a school because you're NIL. At the end of the day, you got to put your hand in the dirt and you got to go play ball. And I got to go beat the man across from me. Are you preparing yourself to go be the best player you can be? Are you preparing yourself and going to a place that's going to develop you as a player? Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome in. It is show number 136 on the Drew Goodman Podcast. And uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate you uh, spreading the wealth. And here's some nice feedback uh, on uh, all of you, not only watching or, or listening, I should say, to the uh, the current shows, but going back and listening to uh, some of the past 
shows as well. Um, before we get rolling, a uh, big shout out to my friends at DNVR. They're a plethora of podcasts. You can uh, download all of them and uh, in particular... The Rockies uh, podcast on DNVR with Patrick Lyons. I join Patrick uh, each and every week. And uh, I wish there was more to talk about in baseball. We'll begin there. I'm kind of frustrated, man. I'll tell you what. I'm frustrated about several things. And I'm going to start there. Not to be negative. I try to be positive. But it is damn frustrating with the lockout on both sides. And, and how they're just crawling along. They meet for 20 minutes and then nothing for days on end. And then they meet again for seemingly another 20 minutes. It is as if they are both playing this grand game of chicken and both saying, we're not afraid to miss games and revenue on the owner's side. And the players saying the same damn thing on the other side. When people analogize it to going to marriage counseling, I say, no, it's different because sometimes marriages end in divorce, right? In fact, we know about half of marriages end in divorce. This ain't going to end in a divorce. They're going to come to an agreement, but they do irreparable damage to the game of baseball and the interest in the game of baseball if you miss regular season games not to mention you know it's bad enough that now spring training is is being altered but i think if this thing honestly marches into april shame on both sides you have to and i get it you don't you you never reveal your best hand until there's pain i understand that but there has to be a better way there honestly has to be a better way the only sport to me right now that's seemingly bulletproof, not that it doesn't have its own issues, we know it does, but it's football and the NFL. You know, the ratings for the for the Super Bowl were up, I think, about 15% from last year. And interestingly, and not surprisingly, remember I talked about how LA's a bad football town, it's always been a bad football town. You saw it in the NFC Championship game when the Rams were hosting the San Francisco 49ers, and there were seemingly more 49er fans there. Well, in the Super Bowl, the ratings by city came out. I don't know if you caught this. And L.A., now the home of the Super Bowl champion Rams, from a rating standpoint, they were not one of the top 10 cities in viewership of the Super Bowl. Cincinnati was number one. No shock there. And then a list of other cities around the country conspicuous by its absence was L.A., but not surprisingly, if you followed sports, particularly football, uh, through the years in L.A., they're, they're, in, they're indifferent. Just to finish up on baseball, though, it, it, it's frustrating because I love the sport, you love the sport, yet a lot of young people are finding other things to do. I coach at Arapahoe High School, and, and this is my fifth year on staff there. And so you're dealing with kids who love the game, right? They play the game. They're playing, you know, at the 5A level in high school. They have to love the game to play at that level. Yet very few watch. They'll watch highlights. We know how kids are. They get the highlights immediately on their phone, really in every sport. But the latest percentage I saw of kids under 18 that watch baseball was 7%. The average age of a viewer of baseball is 57 
and it continually goes up. A few years ago, I think it was uh, 52. It's going up. Football is somewhere right around 50, and uh, the NBA was around 42 in the latest documentation that I found. My point being, the only sport you know that, that can deal with these things and not really be hurt, seemingly, if there was a you know, a holdout of some kind in football is football. And and I'm not advocating they go down that road. Baseball can't afford this. They cannot afford this, especially in capital letters coming out of the pandemic. I'm not going to break down every financial topic and who I believe is right or needs to give more or give less. I don't care at the end of the day. I don't. I want to see baseball back on the field. I know owners are well-to-do. I know the top-end players are well-to-do. Yes, should they get some movement in terms of how younger players are compensated? I get that. Absolutely. But reveal your best hand on both sides. Come to some sort of agreement on some in the middle. And if you're the Players Association, live to fight another day. You're not going to get all your demands done in one CBA. But by and large, if you fight too hard for a nickel today, you're going to lose a dime down the road, maybe on both ends. The other thing I'm finding frustrating is the Olympics are going on. I touched on it last week. I talked about the the enormous pressure on Michaela Schifrin. Uh, One note on that. Uh, And Michaela, you know, continues to ski as of of this taping. You know, she finished, I believe, ninth in the Super G, 18th in the downhill. You know, neither won her specialty, but it wasn't her best skiing. But she is competing. She's in the arena. and, And she's continued on. I have mad and immense respect for her. Uh, But uh, I wanted to point out one story that came out uh, last week. And and if you recall that she sat in the snow after missing a gate in the slalom and going down literally like four gates into the the slalom and just unheard of for her. And NBC was criticized for continuing to show in their coverage, you know, her just sitting there lamenting uh, in the snow. Molly Solomon is the executive producer of NBC's Winter Olympics coverage, and I thought she rightfully defended NBC's coverage of Michaela Schifrin. You know, again, some people found fault with that they kept going back to her. Well, had she just walked off and been out of camera shot, there wouldn't have been a a visual mention. There would have been the continual replay for those that have missed it and the commentary from the announcers led by Dan Hicks about what happened and how unexpected it was. And that's what they're paid to do. But because she was still in view of a camera, in fact, not, not even kind of hidden by, I mean, she was out for everyone to see. It's, it's not only free game, but it's not inappropriate. It is a story. And NBC has a responsibility to tell that story because it was ongoing. And I thought that Molly Solomon, her explanation or summation of it was excellent. Had it been a male athlete, would the reaction have been the same? A male athlete that was sitting, you know, kind of forlorn and 
introspective and clearly, you know, emotional and disappointment disappointed at not finishing a race, I think the reaction would have been different. And I thought it was fair for her to point it out, just as I thought it was fair for NBC to continue to cover the fact that she had not moved. As for the Olympics, I've stated uh, on previous podcasts, I'm a big Olympics fan. I love sports. I want to love sports. I don't want to be critical all the time. I don't want to be cynical all the time. Gosh knows there's enough places to do that in life, and certainly sports provides us many of those opportunities. Um, but I've had trouble getting into these Olympics. Uh, first of all, it, it, you know, Beijing is, is so locked down. The athletes, other than maybe a moment of victory, seem joyless. You've heard from a number of athletes who, who've openly stated they can't wait to get out of there. And yes, the pandemic in large measure has something to do with it. Uh, but it's other things I mentioned last week, tangentially. Winter Olympics without snow, everything's artificial. Winter Olympics where they're having, you know, a big air event and you have nuclear reactors behind it. It's just strange. And then you add to it the whole, you know, the young skater uh, from Russia, Kamila Velieva, the 15-year-old who had three different heart medications, two which were legal, one which was not in her system. Russia with the long history of doping violation, so much so, and this is also ludicrous, so much so that they don't compete under the Russian flag. It's not Russia, but the IOC, which has its own corruption issues, has said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to compete under the name, the Russian Olympic Committee. You will not have a flag and, and we will not play the Russian anthem if national anthem, if you win a gold medal. I mean, it's it's such a farce. And then this young gal who's evidently the best in the world, but she's doped and they, and they end up allowing her to continue. Yet, if she were to win, there will be no podium and there will be no celebration. So what about the other two athletes? The whole thing makes no sense and just adds to how disappointing these Olympics are and why here, even though the last couple of Olympiads have been in Asia and so the time difference has been immense, it's it's not going over well in the U.S. And that's disappointing. So that's, uh, I'm frustrated with baseball. I'm frustrated with the Winter Olympics. Now I'm trying to be more positive. Football. Super Bowl. Good game. Not great game, good game. Could have turned into a, a really good game had Cincinnati gone down and, and scored, kicked a field goal late. Maybe we would have seen overtime in the Super Bowl. That would have been far more fascinating. As I thought would occur, and many others, I'm not patting myself on the back here, ultimately the Rams' front seven and that fierce pass rush was the difference in the football game. Aaron Donald is otherworldly. Aaron Donald may be the greatest defensive lineman I've ever seen, the most impactful defensive lineman. Reggie White is up there, Bruce Smith. I mean, when you talk about an interior defensive lineman, 
that wreaks havoc like he does and rushes the passer like he does. Usually when you talk about you know, guys who reach double digits in sacks, it's always edge guys. It's outside linebackers. It's, uh, you know, it's defensive ends, seven technique, nine technique in the football vernacular today. That's not this guy. His get off is crazy. And they were the difference in the game. Cincinnati had a chance to, you know, take a two score lead after that last turnover. They held him to a field goal and then they produced seven sacks and the biggest play of the game on fourth and one, which I still thought should have been another running play. Uh, for Cincinnati, they got to Burrow. It doesn't go down as a sack, but as Aaron Donald was twisting him around, you know, Burrow just kind of flinged the football, uh, and that was the end of the game. Von Miller, the former Bronco, a couple of sacks. Uh, good for him to go out uh, with the Rams, it looks like, on a high note again with uh, with strong play, particularly in, in the second half. Uh, Cooper Cup, what an amazing year. Uh, he's had. And I thought that his play was even more remarkable when OBJ goes down in the first half because OBJ had the instant impact. And now Cooper Cup's going to, he's going to be double covered everywhere he goes if there's any possible way schematically to double cover him. And yet he still went off, particularly on that last drive. And then they threw the fade and he beats uh, Apple in coverage. The, the most important run of the day from a rushing standpoint was provided as well by uh, Cooper Cup. You know, so that was all good. It was a good game. Not a great game. It was a good game. Some of the uh, things we all pay attention to uh, in the Super Bowl, I thought that um, the uh, the anthem, I enjoyed the anthem by uh, Mickey Guyton. Thought she was great. Thought she was awesome. I enjoyed the halftime show. Kind of a throwback. I'm a big Snoop Dogg fan. Uh, that I thought was uh, was a positive, and again the uh, ratings that I mentioned earlier they were up considerably from a year ago. Other than in LA, which you know, go figure. All right, we move on to part two of my uh, ideal home loans interview of the week. Last week we had uh, Tony Alfred on. We talked for so long, and I thought covered a lot of. Th- good subjects and and germane subjects in the world of college football and the world of football in general that uh, we utilize so much time that uh, we had to break it up into two parts. And so this week with Tony, you're going to hear his thoughts on recruiting. You're going to hear his thoughts on navigating the NIL with college athletes today. And you're also going to hear his uh, his thoughts on opportunities or lack thereof for black coaches to become head coaches and quarterback coaches prior to that and offensive coordinators uh, prior to becoming a head coach. It's, uh, uh, I think, a fascinating conversation with a guy I have immense respect for. The longtime running back coach, now run game coordinator and assistant head coach at Ohio State, the Ohio State University. It's Tony Alford this week on our Ideal Home Loans Interview of the Week. Enjoy. Tony, I'd be, remi- I'd be remiss. What was your reaction to the class action suit brought by uh, Brian Flores this last week? Yeah, you know, I got to be honest. A um, couple things. One, shocked. And not shocked that, that there's issues. But 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 much respect to that if a man felt that convicted that, that he was able and willing to stand up for, for his beliefs and... Um, so much respect to him. 
you know, I'm not going to sit up here and say I know all that's going on because I haven't read I haven't read up on it. You know, I, I haven't. So I, it'd be I'd be remiss and be unfair for me to 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 say, oh yeah, they did this wrong, they did that wrong. I don't know, Drew. I haven't I haven't read up on it um, to really have a strong opinion for or against. But um, I do know this: there's there's so many great, in my opinion, so many great leaders and minority coaches that just haven't been given the opportunity for whatever reason. And um, it's really, quite frankly, to me, it's appalling. Um, but, um, again, I'm not, I'm not in the decision-making process. And, again, I think everyone has to, to – they, they can profile and say, here's what they're looking for. But it's hard for me to believe. You know, people are going to say this, there's no racism involved in these decisions. It's hard for me to believe that, you know, going into last week, there was one, as far as the NFL levels go, there was one minority coach in Mike Tomlin who is a phenomenal man as well. Um, it's hard for me to believe in, with all the NFL teams you couldn't find but one minority head coach. Um, there's a lot of guys out there. I just think that it's like anything else. You just need opportunities, and and, and opportunities have got to be presented. Um, now you got to work for them. You got to be the right guy. I mean, I'm not into hiring people just because of the the, the color of their skin, um, but you got to be qualified. But there are so many great that I believe are great football coaches. More importantly, great men of character um, that are men of color. Um, they just have to be given the opportunity to to show themselves um, and be given the opportunity to go and lead. Um, and, and so hopefully with this class action lawsuit, hopefully some doors are going to open. And some, I shouldn't say doors open, but people's eyes are going to open, I should say, and to say, okay, we, you know, we, we really do need to make some changes here. We need to look deeper into some things that maybe we haven't been looking into previously. Um, but again, I, I can't go too deep because I, I don't know all the I don't know all the details behind all of it. No, but 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 you've articulated it well, and I and I will take it personally one step further in that there have to be more doors open for uh, people of color to be quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators in particular, because that seems to always be the natural progression, if you will, to becoming uh, a head coach. And the second part of that is second opportunities that are all because I always believe this I know you believe this as a coach Tony we all have a right whether you're an 18 year old wide-eyed freshman running back or you're a a 50 year old grown-ass man we all have a right to get better at whatever we do hopefully we are all getting better each day through experience and and so second opportunities for those of color that have had the good fortune to maybe have a first opportunity because let's be honest tony opportunities typically arise in coaching because teams haven't won enough games it's a bad situation so you got to come in and turn something around it's not you know ryan day and i know you think the world of coach day um and this isn't really i don't mean this to be a butter however when urban meyer left it was the cover wasn't bare you know he wasn't he wasn't taking over a two and ten football program so you have to be afforded a second opportunity also for the ones that have been, you know, maybe head coach three or four years, didn't work out. But but we've seen a lot of, you know, white folks get, you know, honestly, I'm a white guy, but get second opportunities in the past that have not been afforded people of color. You know, I, I agree with that 100%. You know, and I don't know the numbers. I remember, and, I'm, and, and so I don't want to speak out of turn there. I remember years back you, you talk about it and you say, okay, well, um, there's so many, so many black coaches, okay, whatever. 
it was some ridiculous number. At one point in time, Tyrone Willingham might have been one of the few guys at the time as a minority coach, and I think Charlie Stallman came around, where they got fired from a Power 5 job, but then were able to get another one. And the right. the, 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 verbs, the verbiage we use, the, the vernacular we use is a, is a retread. Um, yes. That doesn't happen much with, with, with most black head coaches. You get one shot. Yeah, that, that's so you got you got one shot at this thing, and you damn well better make it work. And and um, and so they, so then you start talking about well, I got to get a job that's going to set me up for winning. Is it set up for success? It has the it has the infrastructure in place with the administration to have success. Because you know, and I'm not going to name schools, but there's certain schools out there that are perennial have lost for many 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 years, and they're just not set up to have sustained success. And so those jobs continually become open time and time and time again. And then so then all of a sudden they say, okay, well, let's give this guy this job. Well, yeah, but he can't win. And then that's going to be his only opportunity. And so it's, it's kind of a vicious cycle that they get into. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, Tony, you're on the other side of the ledger because, you know, the last two programs you've been at <laughs> – if you if you lose two football games in a season, people are like, "What the hell is going on?" That that's a different set of pressure, isn't it? It is, and you know, and like you and I were speaking to, speaking to this before before we we started the podcast, that um, you know, you have your certain programs in this country, Ohio State's, the Alabamas of the world, and there's a few others as well. But you know, you built this monstrosity from inside out where. It's almost like nothing's good enough. I'll, I'll use this as place. I'll go all the way back to my first college job back in 1990. I'm dating myself here. Um, 1995. I went to Mount Union College in Alliance, Ohio. At the time, they're one of the winningest programs in all of college football, all divisions, with Larry Karras and that whole thing. And they had won some like 100 and some straight games. And they'd won numerous, numerous national championships. Well, we get beat in the national quarterfinals, I believe. And and the kids are distraught. Obviously, they lost the game. Well, then Larry Karras looks at me, and I learned this lesson young enough because I was, like I said, first-year college coach. He says, you know, we got to be careful because if you don't win at all, it's considered a failure of a season. And he goes, and that is the furthest thing from the truth, and these kids need to understand that. And so I say all that to say that the programs like Ohio State's the world, they've built this monstrosity from inside out, and you lose two games, and people are losing jobs. And, but again, you know, those are our set of issues. You know, Colorado State's got their own set of issues. These are some of our issues. If you don't, if you don't have one of the top recruiting classes or get the top guy in your class, extra position, is that a failure? Is that is that failure? Well, at Ohio State, you, you only got a couple of years to do that. Um, but are you complaining about it? There's no complaint. You signed up for this, and you know this competitive competitive environment, competitive world we live in. Um, so, me personally, I love it. I, I love that competitiveness of it, um, and that's what drives you every day to get out of bed, to, to go and compete to win. If they're going to keep score, shit, go win the damn game. Whatever the game is, go win. Um, and that, that's just – is that for everybody? No. Is that for every player, every coach? No. But does that make you better or worse than the next guy? I don't believe so at all. It just depends on what drives you. And this is what drives Ohio State. This is what drives a program like us is to win at every single thing that you do. You're expected to win and win convincingly at everything that you do. 
And, and it begins, Tony. Yeah, Tony, it begins when you're sitting in living rooms and, you know, now it's text messages and, and gosh knows what the heck goes into recruiting. But but for you, typically, I mean, I'm sure you you still uncover diamonds in the rough and, and that sort of thing. But a lot of times you're sitting across from a young man and the decision's coming down to Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and LSU. And we'll throw Clemson in there for good measure. What do you sell, Tony, on on it? And I'm sure they're different things, but what do you sell the kid who's his, you know, those are his five trips, man. He's a five-star guy. What do you sell him on? Well, you know, I think it just all depends on anything else, right? I mean, what are the what are the key components that this kid is looking for? I mean, and everyone's looking for something different, right? I don't think that there's – I personally don't think there's a cookie-cutter approach um, to recruiting. To, to true recruiting. I think um, it's about building relationships um, and being able to show due cause that, okay, well, this is what this is what Drew Goodman's looking for. Well, how are we going to formulate a plan and then put that plan into action for your success and be able to articulate that better than our competitor? Um, you know, one thing with me, I'm, I'm a big relationship guy, I, I, as you've always known that. I'm, I'm huge into relationships. And um, how can I – Again, we talked about that building that trust, right, and, and building that relationship where a kid will do anything for you. Like I said, I've done anything for Coach Bruce. Um, where, where you're building this bond with this kid and his family, that they believe that this is the guy that I want my son to be around. This is the guy that I think can make my son or help my son to, to, to become elite in every facet of his life. Um, and so that comes down to getting to know all the people around him. You know, who is, who's in his sphere of influence? You know, who are the people he's listening to? Mom, dad, third uncle removed, girlfriend, parent, I, whoever the hell it is. Um, in, 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 in building relationships with those people that they feel like that's who I want my child to be around and to grow with through the next three to four years of his life. Um, and do you do it better than Alabama? Do you do it better than Georgia and Clemson and you said LSU? Um, but at the same time, win games. At, at the end of the day, win damn games. And, and what? develop players that can go to the NFL, and all of a sudden you're going to be in the mix for a whole lot of guys. In the last year, things have changed dramatically. The last couple of years, transfer portal, NIL. Um, how prevalent are those topics with recruits these days? Oh, they're real. You know, th- those are real. You know, um, you know the, the transfer portal, again, gets back to what, what fits. You know, what, what immediate needs do you need in your roster? Um, you know, we, you know, you think about the transfer portal, what it's done for Ohio State. You're talking about Justin Fields. You're talking about Trey Sermon. Um, those are guys that were, that, that had major, major implications for our football program as a whole. Um, so, but what, but what did we need at that time? And what were they looking for for opportunities for them as well? Um, now, as far as the NIL goes, those conversations are, are had every single day in recruiting. Um, because they're real, that's part of the that's part of the college football world as as we sit today. Um, it's different. It's 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 odd. Those are odd conversations a little bit for a guy like myself who's been in this thing twenty five, twenty six years. Um, because that, that's just that was that was so far out of out of the realm of what we used to when we started this thing. What it was going on. Um, so you know you got to put some guardrails around how you how you how you present it. Um, but those are real conversations. And here at Ohio State, 
you know, we have the best of the best. We have the largest alumni base in the country. Um, Gene Smith, our athletic director, who's who's the I'm not being biased. I mean, I truly believe he's the best athletic director and leader in in all of college sports. Um, and he's part of the he's on the he's one of the chair chair chairman or chair people for the NIL. Um, so we're going we're going to obviously be at the forefront of that as well. So for Ohio State, when 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 those guardrails are set and those rules do come, say hard fast, this is what we can and we can't do, or willing we won't do. Um, Ohio State's going to be at the front end of that just because of the infrastructure that we have. Um, and so we talk about that openly with kids because you have to, because that's the world we're living in right now. But yeah. at the same time, I, and I use this in recruiting all the time, we start talking about NIL. That's all fine and well, Drew. Mm-hmm. NIL is great, and, and, I, and I agree with it. I, I love it. But at the end of the day, you better not go to a school. You better not, you better not go to a school because of your NIL. At the end of the day, you've got to put your hand in the dirt. At some point in time, you've got to put your hand in the ground, and you've got to go play ball. And I gotta go beat the man across from me. And I gotta prepare. I gotta prepare in February when I gotta get up at five in the morning and it's and it's freaking three degrees outside and, and check across campus to go do a, a mat drill in the morning. Yeah, you know what I got to do with that. At the end of the day, are you preparing yourself to go be the best player you can be? Are you preparing yourself and going to a place that's going to develop you as a player? Because here's the thing: guys are getting. Let's say you're getting a car. Okay, you get a car for your NIL agreement. Well, hell, if we develop you the right way, and then all of a sudden you go make it, and you make it big in the in the NFL. Hell, you'll go, you'll go own, you own five car dealerships. Damn, the one car you own a whole right. damn dealership. Sure, right. So at the end of the day, you got to put your you got to put your hand in the dirt, and you got to go make a play. Me against you, and your NIL agreements have nothing to do with that. Yeah, and so and we openly talk about that. More with Tony Alfred in a moment, but first this for Ideal Home Loans. I've enjoyed telling you about Ideal Home Loans for a number of years now, not only on this podcast, but I've been uh, one of their spokesmen for, uh, again, a number of years, and they're really good. I mean, they're excellent. They save people money. They've been saving people money for more than two decades. They've expanded down to Arizona. And the way you expand and the way you develop the kind of reputation they have is by consistently delivering, consistently uh, bringing people the best product and putting people in the best product for their needs. And that's why they have so many people who return to them when they are buying uh, or selling or consolidating debt and they need advice, they need great counsel. Ideal Home Loans, they're reachable at 303-867-7000. Again, it's 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans, they are lending expert. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. One more time with the number 303-867-7000. Start my day every day with Boyer's Coffee. Why? Because it's good coffee. How about that? It's pretty simple enough. And you know what? I feel good because not only does it taste good, is it consistently smooth, but I like supporting local companies. And they're local and they've been around since 1965. I like to tell you they're environmentally conscious and they're a great community partner. And uh, you can get your coffee delivered right to your house as I do when you go online at boyerscoffee.com. You can see a a number of their different products and pick and choose a couple clicks later. uh, You're going to have coffee at your house uh, nearly immediately. 
It's also uh, available at all of your favorite food stores as well. Boyerscoffee.com, again, brewed in the Rocky Mountains since 1965. That's Boyer's Coffee. Go check them out at boyerscoffee.com. Now back to more with Tony Alford. You know, you, you talked a moment ago about the transfer portal and, and you almost have, you know, you're always re-recruiting now your own players, that sort of thing. I want to ask you about a guy that got in the transfer portal and left Columbus, Ohio. And I think we all are paying a lot of attention to him right now. What were your rem- memories of Joe Burrow? Oh, man, great kid. You know, Joey's dad, um, Joe's dad was a high school coach at Ames High when I was at Iowa State. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. So we go way back, right? I've known Joe since he was a little bitty little guy. Um, and then all of a sudden he came to Athens, Ohio, where his dad was at Ohio U with Frank Solich. And then I showed up at Ohio State, and here's Joe. Um, here's what I, here's what, here's my, and I still, Joe was at one of our bowl practices just, Back in December, before we went to the Rose Bowl, he came up with Sam Hubbard, and they came to practice and hung out. Because Joe, Joe still is, is so highly thought of on Ohio State. Our coaches love him. Um, the players that he was, was playing with, they all love him. Um, so he didn't leave bitter. No one, no one, no one parted ways bitter. Um, but here's what I can tell you about the guy: he is one of the most competitive human beings I've ever been around. And that, I mean, I saw him when I was getting a fist fight with a guy over shooting free throws, you know, a free throw contest. Um, I mean, he is competitive. He's got this dry sense of humor about him. Um, but he is a serious, serious individual, especially when it comes to this game. Um, he's highly, highly competitive. Um, and I know everybody around here is, is really excited for him and his family. And, you know, I know there's a debate of, well, he's an Ohio State guy. He's an LSU guy. Really, who gives a damn? He's a great kid. Um, that that both schools were, were fortunate enough to have him as part of their program. Um that he brought a lot to each program, you know, in his deal here, you know, he broke his hand in the midst of the com- in the midst of the competition with Dwayne Haskins, um, and that's not to say, listen, Dwayne Haskins went on and threw fifty one touchdowns or whatever it was on his first round draft pick, so it's not like he was like Dwayne wasn't a damn good player, right? Um, sure. And, and, and so it worked out for everybody, and, and I know we're all excited for Joe, and um, you know, if you lived in the state of Ohio, this place is up for up. Up for grabs right now. I don't. Even, I think they canceled school for all the state. Everybody in the state just for tomorrow, so the kids are going over from Monday after the Super Bowl, so kids can watch the game. But, but everybody's excited for them, and um, you know we got a lot of we got a lot of Buckeyes, former Buckeyes that play for the Bengals, and we got a, you know Jordan Fuller and a couple of guys that are with the Rams as well. But, but just wishing wishing success for all of them. You recruit still, Tony. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know you go all over, but George Fitzpatrick from from Dave Logan's program at, at Cherry Creek. That was one of your guys, was it not? That is correct, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I went and watched uh, I watched Creek play a couple times in November, and um, that's a that's a good looking physique, man. I understand why you recruited him. Yeah, and he's you know he was he's a former lacrosse player, mm-hmm. um, so he's a big offensive tackle that can run and rangy. Um, he's a tough guy. He's really made an impact, immediate impact. It was one of the one of the top freshman performers right now when he came in at semester, and you know I I told Dave this him and Det Betty um, over at Creek I, I I told them both this when I came out and watched them run. It was after a, like on a Monday or whatever I came out and um, back in I think it was just before I think they played a Rappahoe in the in the in the playoffs, and so I came out and I was watching them run around at the practice and. And I told Dave how impressive it is. I sat through a meeting, a team meeting, where they were watching film, and then we went to practice. And 
that he's done an amazing job, and that's you know Creek is synonymous with winning championships. I know years, years, for many, many years. But but just to watch the interaction of the players and the coaches and coach to coach, coach to player, player to player, player to coach, to watch the interactions in the film room, and then go watch the interaction of how they practice and how they take the film room and the meeting room to practice. Um, it was amazing, and, and and there's a lot of high schools that aren't doing that, and um, there's no disrespect to them, but but I was so impressed. I told Dave that I, I was like, you can see why they're winning games there, year yeah. year out, and they, that program is 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 humming right now at a high rate, and um, I think the organization and the leadership within the program, and you watch the coaches. It looks like Dave gives each coach their own. They, they've all got, they've all got ownership into this. Not just the head guy. They all got ownership. The players have ownership. Um, it, it was amazing to watch how they run their organization, and, and uh, so no wonder they're winning games. Yeah, and, and and you know this to be true. You know, Dave's had great success in everything he's he's done. He was you know maybe the greatest athlete ever to come out of the state of Colorado. Obviously, damn! I thought that was me. Well, you were you were in the converse you were in the conversation. But right, but but you you know you remember football back even in you know he was an all Big Eight basketball player also, he, you know he's drafted and drafted in all three sports anyhow. But if you take you know the NFL career and and the the great broadcasting career and and he's won what ten state titles now at four different high schools. I'm telling you because I know Dave well and so do you. The last thing he'd want taken away from him, you can have all that other stuff as much as he enjoys it and enjoyed playing all that. Don't take his coaching away from him. Well, you know, I think it goes back to what I said. You know, what what what's your impact? What's your influence on people, right? Yep. And why and why are you here? And and um, Dave's had amazing impact on young people, and and that are now become older people, but. But he's had an amazing impact, and when you just sit and talk to him, like I like I have numerous numerous times, that he's got he's got an amazing story, and he's got an amazing way of making you feel like you're the most important guy in the room at the time, and no matter who else is in, and 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 that's a gift, and 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 so he's been very influential and very impactful to probably more people than he even realizes. And, yeah. and uh, I said, I, 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 every time I sit down to talk to him, I take something away, and I've been doing this a long-ass time. Um, but, but he's a man of impact, and he's a man of influence. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day as coaches, that's what we're here to do. And the, the, the bigger the school, the bigger your platform. And so how are you using that platform every single day? Yeah. And, and, and if, you know, when you throw that net out there, how many how many fish are you getting, um, and how many people are you touching on a daily basis um, with your message? And and, and and so, you know, the challenge I think with coaches and Dave does a great job since we're talking about him is is um, what message are you trying to deliver? And then once you've identified what that message is, um, be very intentional and purposeful about delivering it. And and I think he's done a great job of that. Yeah, Tony, just a couple more. I really appreciate the time. So I so enjoyed this conversation. Uh, w- one of the things I want you to t- articulate is I, I, people watch Saturday afternoon. We all love college football. We're watching the Buckeyes take on Michigan or, you know, wh- whatever the game is. We're well, first, I got to stop you. First, I got to yeah. stop you. It's a, it's a team up north. Uh, the team up north, that's right. I can say Michigan. Okay. It's the team up north, get, that's right. got to get you right. <laughs> and, and I know for the first time in a long, long time, uh, things didn't go as 
as planned from uh, from Ohio State standpoint. But you'll get another shot uh, several months from now. But but Tony, there, we, you know, we I think it's two hundred and eighty-eight days actually. But it's not on it's not on any board anywhere. I know in your facility. No, right? nowhere. No, I just kind of pulled that out. No, it's two hundred eighty-eight days. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. But there is a price that's paid in the coaching profession because it is a nomadic existence. And we've talked about a lot of things over the last hour. And we've talked about, you know, you were at Mount Union and then, you know, Ames. we didn't even talk that you were in Seattle for a minute at the University of Washington. And then it was, you know, Notre Dame and Ohio State. And from afar, wow, that's sexy, man. This guy's been a, a coach and been at all these great stops, et cetera, et cetera. But behind it, Trina, who you guys have been married a long time and, and, you're, and you're three boys, and it is... You know, pick up, pack the bags, honey. We're, we we got to move to so and so. We got we got fired, and we got to move here. In your case, it, it typically wasn't that, uh, but this is a tough life on families. It is. Um, you know, and you say pick up. We got to move. No, it's pick up. You got to move because I'm leaving tomorrow, and you can you figure this out. And just you know, I'll see you when you get here. Sure. Um, you know, honestly, when I left Notre Dame, that it was a, that was on a Friday evening. Um, that I said, okay, I'm going to do it, and I was gone Sunday afternoon. So 36 hours later, I was out. Um, it is tough. It is tough on the families. Um, you know, and, and I remember when Urban, when Urban, um, when Urban retired from here, I was in Orlando, and he called, and he, you know, we were just, we were just chatting, and you know, he was explaining kind of his thought process, and and he says to me, he goes, man, you know, it's you know, our kids, he mentioned my sons, he mentioned Trina, he goes, you know, we, you've missed a lot, and, um, you know, we move around a lot, and we do all these things, we miss so much, we miss so much of this, we miss birthdays, we miss games, we miss our mixers, whatever they are. But then my response was, yeah, we do miss a lot, but but my kids have also gained a lot, and they've, they've, afforded, they've been afforded so many different amazing opportunities. They've met and, and, and befriended amazing players, their families, they've made they've made lifelong friends at every stop. Um has it been nomadic? Sure it has, but it's very it's like the military, right? Those kids move around a lot too and um so so and yeah, and so has it has it has it been rough at times in, in the moving and the uprooting and making new friends? Sure. But 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 it's also um it's also been so many I, I'd like to hope that the that the good and great moments far exceed the bad and hard ones. You know, right. and um, and it's easy for me to say. I think you probably have to talk to the wives, but you know, we moved here. My oldest son didn't talk to us for like two weeks. He was so he was a junior high school kid, and, and he was so pissed off that we left. Um, but now, once we got him here and got him all situated, now they don't want to leave. You know, and I had opportunities to go get some other jobs just this past just this past cycle. Um, my kids and wife were like, "No, we're not going anywhere." They're like, "Shit, you can go, but we're not going." <laughs> but, 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 um, but it is, you know. But that's what you sign up for, you know. And and um, you know, my kids didn't know that, but my wife Trina knew. You know, she knew this is what we're signing up for when when uh, we end up getting together and getting married and whatnot. We knew this is this is this is the life we're going to lead, and. Um, and I think just like anything, there's 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 good and bad in, in every situation. It just depends upon how you want to carry that load. And uh, we've been very fortunate. We we have, you know, I've well, we got fired at Iowa State, and I was able, fortunate to get on at Louisville. And then I left Louisville. I left Kent State in my own regard. I left my own regard. I left Washington in my own regard. 
Um, the Iowa State thing was not. I uh, went to Louisville, left there in my own regard. And then I've been through two – I was able, fortunate enough to go get through two staffs at, at uh, Notre Dame, and I left there, come to Ohio State, and I've been fortunate to get through two staffs here um, through coaching changes. So, uh, again, as I said earlier, we have been ridiculously fortunate in the way our careers have gone. Um, and very blessed, and 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 I don't take I don't take a day for granted. And all you got to do is look at the players that are in that locker room every day. And 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 for that, I'm thankful. And I think I said I don't take a day for granted. Yeah, and, and Tony. By the way, uh, I've thanked you for this before, but it was a few years ago when uh, when my son was uh, you know playing ball down the road at, at Denison, and I uh, I wasn't there, but I know you you took uh, you took mom, who was a high school or excuse me, it was a college. Uh, close friend of yours and and Jacob around Friday night before you all played Nebraska I believe and and Jacob uh, he was you had him holding a Heisman trophy for God's sakes <laughs> no right <laughs> that's pretty good stuff I was like, oh my God. yeah well it, it, you know I think again it goes to um, one the relationships that are built right and through the course of time and, and you and I have a pre-existing relationship that goes back to when I was what 18 years old and um, I'm 53 now and and I think, you know, I talked about what's your platform, and, and you know, here comes your son. Well, I mean, my God, I've kn- I knew his dad before he was ever into existence, right, and his mom and dad and, and had pre-existing relationships. So, um, and if that, if that was, if that made his day and made him smile and, and, feel, and feel fulfilled in that moment, then, then I should be doing those things. That's what we're here to do, again, be a man of, or a person of influence, and if you can help with a young person, then, and 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 um, you know, I think every parent wants. What do they want for their children? They want their children to be fulfilled, whatever that looks like. And if I can help in that endeavor, then 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 I'm duty bound to do that. Well, you've you've done it with countless kids at, at so many different stops, and you'll continue to do it for a long, long time. And and I say this not to embarrass you, um, but I'm. I'm um, I'm really proud of you, even though you you almost caught me in age, by the way. Um, but I'm really proud of you, <laughs> Drew. Thank you. That means I think that does. It means a lot, and and because um, you just never know. You know, there's there's days you just sit around and you're saying, you know, I'm trying to do some certain things. Is it working? Is is is, is am I doing what I what I'm trying to do? Is am I, am I being impactful? And um, are people noticing? And 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 so for somebody like I said, I've known for. Gosh, you know, thirty some thirty some odd years. I, I, I that means a lot, and um, and and I appreciate you for more than you know, and um, so so I just again I, I thank you for that. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I'll leave you with this one, um, dude, because at, just like you know, we both have three boys, and and now um, you know, my kids are a little bit older than yours, so I'm they I'm I'm they're all out of the house. And when it comes to late fall, when the baseball season's over, I'm going to call your ass up soon and I'm going to come visit because I have actually never done or been to a Buckeye football game. I've been in the horseshoe to call a Big Ten track and field meet. I have no, never. Gotta yeah. You got to get here and, and, um, and I'll, you, you got to get out of You just let me know when it is. And the only thing that you have to do. Yeah, you, you 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 have to have a cigar and you have to have a glass of bourbon with me. Otherwise, you can't come. <laughs> well, you know, you know me. I'm kind of fanatical about working out, so I will I will break down and do that just so I can get in the door. <laughs> well, no, in all seriousness, I'd love to have you, man. You just let me know when, and um, you know, when my travels when my travels allow me to get back to Colorado. I love that state. I, I'm a 
Ken, I'm a huge fan of that state, and I'm a huge fan of high school football in that state. And um, like I said, my mom still lives there. I love coming back. I just am not able to get back time-wise as much as I would like. But um, but but I'm going to get back. And when I do, man, we got to catch up. I've never been to a Rockies game, so so. Well, there you have it, right? let's do. Listen, you come out. You go. You go sign up the next Buckeye, and we'll go catch a game, and we'll uh, we'll go have dinner after. I would love to, buddy. I love you, man. Well, listen, bro. I appreciate you. And, and um and Godspeed to you and if anything from me you need anything from me don't hesitate reach out you bet best to Trina you take care Tony take care brother take care bye bye again big thanks for the second straight week to uh, to Tony Alford and he's he's gonna do well he's gonna do well because he's always done well he's gonna keep kicking ass and uh, Ohio State will remain at the top of the food chain uh, but as I said last week I do hope I really do hope that Tony gets an opportunity to be a head coach because he is more than deserving of being a head coach uh, in college football. And uh, the school, the university that ultimately makes that decision, they're going to be pleased they did, I'm sure. Things that made me happy this week, since I started out this podcast with things that are making me unhappy, uh, the Avalanche continue to be a joy to watch. Nathan McKinnon is back. First game back, he had a couple of points. Uh, the Avalanche home streak, disappointingly, which it was going to end, but it, it ends at 19 games at home. They lost to the Stars as of this taping uh, yesterday, 4-1, uh, to one, even though they outshot them by about 2.5 uh, to 1. That's going to happen uh, in hockey, but they march on. Colorado State continues to play uh, great basketball. They had a thrilling win in Boise a couple of days ago. Big game coming up, Border War. Uh, and speaking of Wyoming, who's had a glorious season, they cracked the nation's top 25, but they lost at the pit uh, to New Mexico. So that uh, kind of set them back a little bit. But all in all, the hoops uh, throughout the Mountain West have been great. Colorado, I haven't talked a lot about Tad's program uh, in a while. I have a number of their games uh, each year. They're you're basically a young team in transition, but his teams always get better. And they've won, as of this taping, four out of five, uh, starting on the road in this, uh, this most recent road trip with a, with a big win uh, in Corvallis against Oregon State. So those are uh, some of the stories that have me smiling this week. Hey, we'll do it again next week. Enjoy, and uh, fingers crossed that uh, we can soon talk about progress on the baseball front. Take care, everybody, and uh, stay well and stay safe. Be good.